Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, fellow Lushes. Come on in, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy some cocktails with Dimples and the Beard. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? We are fantastic. You are you're on the East Coast tonight. I am for the holidays. Oh, home for, are you originally from the East Coast? No, I'm from Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Just got, yeah. a, just got people on the East Coast now. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for, uh, thank you for coming on and joining us. Yeah, this thank is... you for inviting me. Yeah. I'm on my iPad, so my camera's like off to the side, so it looks, it, it's yeah, it looks like, like, I know, those iPads, <laughs> it makes it look like you're staring like way You're up. staring off at the space. <laughs> That's all right. You're just thinking. Yeah. yeah. Deep, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts with Victoria. Yeah. Well, how let's introduce Victoria Fuller. Miss January 1996. Yep, hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like yesterday, doesn't it? It does. It does. Time flies yep. when you're having fun and it looks like you're having fun with all the all the artwork and yeah. Yes, it's been a, a it's been a great uh however many years, almost 20 years, right? More than 20 years. What am I saying? 20 More something. Little, yeah, we'll just say 20 uh, something. <laughs> yeah, 20 something years. And uh no, it's been uh, the time of my life and there's there's still lots going on amongst playmate playmates, I should say. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, and so yeah, I mean, certainly with the passing of Hef and not having the mansion to go to on a daily basis has been a crunch in my social life. But other than that, um, you know, time marches on and, and uh, I still have, you know, I have such a a huge, lots of friends, you know, I I have such a huge uh, contact list of playmates that I, that I constantly keep in touch with and, you know, it's the ultimate sorority. So. Yeah, it is. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The sorority. That's a good point. We've heard that a lot from a lot of that we interviewed that. Yeah. The friendships that you, 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 you gather during this is, is lifelong. Well, because mostly because it was never set up as a competition. It was set up as every month you get a new friend. So in, for, oh. for the sake of that, it's, it was a totally different tone that if you were to join a, say a modeling agency where now you're competing with all the other girls in the agency, it's, this was not like that. I mean, there was plenty to go around plenty of jobs, plenty of fun, you know, all the parties, everything. So 
it was never, I never felt the, uh, the girls have never been catty to me. There's never, it's never been that tone with any of the girls. It's all just been, we're all equal and we all share and support everything. So it's been, it's been really good. It's been really, really good experience for sure. Yeah. And like you said, there was, there was always work for playmates. Like everybody was always looking for you guys to, to come to a party or to, you know, shoot a commercial or to always to, to do whatever. So there's plenty of work to go around. That, yeah. That, that certainly helps. Always, they, we, I mean, I worked nonstop until I got pregnant. And then my last job, I was, I think I was like five months pregnant and I was really trying to hold it in. And we had a bit, we had a big job at the mansion. It was like 20 bunnies. And I was trying to, it always takes a couple people to zip on everyone's bunny costume because it's so tight. So the bunny mother was there, Pat Lacey, she was there and she's helping me and another girl's helping me. And my zipper broke Oh no! in the middle, in the middle. And she pats me on the, on the back. And she said, she calls me Vicky. The only person that calls me Vicky. She goes, well, Vicky, it's over. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but, um, but I was ready. I was 35 and, you know, I knew, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't attempt to even get pregnant until I felt like I was at the end of my run and things were starting to slow down. And, and, you know, it was good timing for me to step away and like appreciate all the stuff that I had and not try to keep, keep, you know, keep up with the new girls and stuff like that. So, um, so it was certainly, it was, it was fine. It was just that moment of recognition that was really <laughs> reality sets in yeah and at 35 I was like I'm so old you know oh, I boy. Feel like so old and and you know I was so you know five months pregnant you don't look pregnant you just look like you're bursting at the seams like you're <laughs> gained a little weight so it was really tough <laughs> I would imagine yeah that's got to be a, a, a tough moment for somebody who's been used to it for for that long to to adjust yeah. to but so you, yeah. you just no, it, no, it, it was fine. Have through my baby shower, you know, everybody was there. That's he awesome. was my, he, he was my daughter's uh, godfather. So she had special treatment. She basically grew up at the mansion. She was the mansion baby. So oh, I was really wow. lucky in that sense that like, you know, I mean, the other girls don't have that. I was, that was just, that was, I was just lucky in that sense. So that she was so loved by him and so welcomed you know, because people were not allowed to bring their kids. Yeah. I mean, except like Easter and certain things, but majority were not, it is, it wasn't a, it wasn't bring your kids along to the, <laughs> not to the parties, not to the parties, but his, sure. you know, his dinners and movie nights and stuff like that. So we, we, we made the most of it. It was definitely um, her playground for, you know, up until his, up until his death. And I yeah. believe she was like oh. nine at the time. So okay. anyway, there you go. Well, yeah, you had mentioned that, you know, the breakaway from your being there daily, obviously, I don't think it was daily, but so you spent a lot of time well, there, huh? Well, yeah, it was every Friday, Saturday and Sunday night and then Sunday all day, fun in the sun. And then Thursday night started another movie night. So then we would go on Thursday and if there was any parties or Hef's birthday or Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, any of his personal like his personal circle not it wasn't all the playmates were invited but it was his inner circle so then we would have those nights so you know scattered throughout the year it's I was basically there three to five days a week so oh, wow yeah so uh unless I was gone or working on a job or whatever but that's why I say like I lost my social life because I don't I never was the going out to parties or 
um, clubs or any of that. Like, why would I stand in line at a club and then pay for expensive <laughs> drinks when I can like go to the mansion and like be treated like a princess and like every, the butlers are waiting on me hand and foot. You yeah, know what right. I mean? so yep. it's it's yeah and it's a bit of a no-brainer right there yeah it's a little bit of a no-brainer and all the food is free and it's delicious and movies and celebrities and you know the whole thing so yeah certainly I, I I I don't go out still to this day because I just can't you know I just there's nothing interests me right yeah but the barometer has been set pretty high <laughs> I can't imagine he cut any corners when he was throwing a party so well, for his for his big parties, he'd spend a quarter of a million dollars on his personal on his on his like the Halloween and Midsummer's and New Year's oh. Eve, Mardi Gras, and so he'd spend a quarter million. So there was four big parties a year, and there would be a thousand people there. Plus, you know, whatever it's just like the whole the whole shebang, which I'm sure you've seen a million pictures of. Right. And and then for his inner circle, he for his birthday, he'd have a he'd have a birthday party, but but he would have a his inner circle birthday party. So there'd be about 60 to 80 of us. And um, he would serve um, lobster tails. We'd all dress up like Casablanca, watch the movie. Casablanca, favorite movie, yeah. And then when the movie got out, it was, everything was candlelit and it was, the entire dining room was all set with the beautiful silverware and everything. And you, everyone has a seat and they serve you lobsters, steak and lobster and champagne. And then afterwards we have, um, caviar and cake and I mean it's just it's crazy so and then Thanksgiving was you know a beautiful turkey dinner served by the butlers you sit at your table you know they serve you whatever it is that you want on your plate and so there there was lots of his personal parties that were you know if his girlfriend he he threw me a birthday party a surprise birthday party one night I showed up and they had a cake and everything it was about 30 people so you know, there was, there was lots going on all the time. He loved to entertain. And I think, I think there was like a couple years straight, like the last couple years of his life. I don't even think he left the mansion Yeah, because for one, he, he was, he was falling apart a little bit. He was having a hard time standing up straight because he had mm. severe back problems and um, he just didn't feel like leaving. So he always had everybody come to him, which was really quite smart. Right. Because yeah. he always, you know, Monday night is, family night Tuesday night is game night Wednesday night is poker night and then Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday was movie night and then Sunday afternoon was fun in the sun where we would corral new girls playmates and new girls hopefuls to be in the magazine to come hang out by the pool with Hef and his friend he was playing back gammon with so it was all us girls and then <laughs> Hef and and so um, wow that would have been just terrible he didn't, he didn't well, have well, such a know, bad life did he and and I was married at the time. And so because Hef was, because we were close, I mean, I wasn't close, like dating him close, but we were, he was so good to me as a friendship and everything. He welcomed my husband to Fun in the Sun. So it was Hef, his friend and my husband. <laughs> uh, uh, so you can imagine, you know, when I divorced him, he was pretty upset. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do I get to keep that in the divorce? Can I get the mansion in the divorce? I want Hef. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, O V E R, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously, we uh, we're a little bit cocktail themed with our with our podcast, and every time we, I see that, <laughs> we'll do a podcast. And uh, Dimples over here found found a cocktail called for you. For so you. so we like to put some sort of theme in what we're okay. going to talk about. Well, we've had plenty of uh, playmates on, so there's so many bunny drinks we can do. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 
um, in honor of, I believe, your latest print. Am I correct by your latest print? Can you see it? Blue tongue? I can't see it. Oh, blue tongue. Well, it's not my latest print, but okay. I love that one a lot. But that oh. would be very original. So the name of the drink, which is an actual drink, is called blue tongue. Oh, very nice. <laughs> in honor of your print because it, it's very cute. I really enjoy that oh, print. Oh, that's cute. So. What, what's, it, what's in the drink, by the way? So we have vodka. Um, Midori and Southern Midori Comfort. and Southern Comfort. Holy cow. Yeah. No, I think it's supposed to be a shot. And oh. <laughs> sometimes we, we expand on it. So cheers to you. And thank you very thank much for you. coming on. Thank you. And dear print. Yes, very nice. <laughs> so normally we will start these things with your, your story of how you, how you got discovered by Playboy, how you, you know, your whole kind of Playboy experience, how, how it all happened for you. Because you were modeling before Playboy, correct? Uh, a little bit, but you're going to laugh. When I was nine, I had found my father's Playboys and <laughs> not just finding the Playboys. My girlfriend and I searched them out because we knew they were there, but it wasn't just the Playboys. But if you remember, Hef was always on TV. He's always on the news, roller skating, all these beautiful girls. Uh, Deborah Jo Fonda with her long hair, the Playmate of sure. the Year party. He's wearing the headdress. I, I was mesmerized by him. And I instantly had a connection with him. I can't explain it. But I instantly had a connection and knew I, I'm going to work for that man. Well, first of all, let me back up. I thought he was Howard Hughes, the richest man in the world, <laughs> which all made sense when I saw the visuals. But I thought I'm going to be working for that man because that's how I'm going to get out of middle America. At nine years old, I thought this. And wow. I wanted to be I wanted to be an artist. And I thought the only way people were going to want to buy my art is if I'm working for this man. So it had been on my mind to be an artist and to be a bunny since I was nine. And of course, my parents were like, well, you can't be an artist because that's like a hobby. They didn't know. That's like a hobby. And then a bun my dad was like a bunny. I mean, really, Victoria, you know, I mean, just stop already. And so um, I was a Playboy bunny every year for Halloween, like in some fashion. So yeah, it was a bunny, wow. a bunny, a bunny. Yeah. And my parents just, you know, laughed. And so it was my stepfather and my mother and my stepfather divorced when I was 13. And of course, I, he had known my passion the whole time because he said, when you're 18, you could do whatever you want. So, of course, when I was 23, my magazine came out and they were no longer together, but I guess he still had the subscription. And I guess, well, he was on the toilet, uh, like, you know, <laughs> yep. the tradition of opening the new Playboy. There I was. And he told my mother he fell off the toilet. <laughs> That's so, uh, yeah, so that's a creepy visual, but, um, <laughs> but bit, nonetheless, but nonetheless, good story. Not the yeah, it's so I sent in my I sent in my pictures once they didn't respond. I sent in my pictures again. They sent a letter. I had it sent to my mom says so moving around a lot at that age. And the letter said, um, thank you for your interest. I don't think you realize, but you're just not attractive enough. That was oh. the, gist of the letter. Yeah. And my mother read it to me and I just was like, <laughs> I was just like pierced and I thought that's how is this happening because this is like my destiny don't these people like realize this is like they're <laughs> they're so, wrong <laughs> yeah so long story short I was about 22 and my girlfriend's this beautiful blonde model and she got deathly ill and she had to go to a photo shoot that day to do a box cover if you remember box covers for like a, some topless video or something and I wasn't in the video but she said doesn't matter. They just need a beautiful blonde. And I'm referring you because I can't, I cannot go. And so she called the photographer and said, I'm sending my girlfriend, Victoria. She's stunning. 
you're going to want, she's fine. And he said, okay, it was like $1,800 at the time. I was like, oh my God, so much money. And so, um, so the woman that did the, was the makeup artist was Alexis Volga, who has since passed. She did all the makeup throughout the eighties and the nineties, created the Pam Anderson look. And I didn't know who she was, but she did my makeup. And I remember I've never worn that much. I'd never worn that much makeup before. And she did my makeup and I looked in the mirror and I was like, holy, who is that? Like I do the total transformation that I had never seen before. She said, you should really try out for Playboy. And I told her the story, how they turned me down. She goes, eh, I could probably help you out. And I'm like, whatever. So she took some Polaroids and she took them to the editor that night after the photo shoot. And the next day I got a call from the editor. Hi, Victoria. This is so-and-so the editor, Marilyn Gabowski at Playboy. And I was like, oh yeah, right. And I hung up on her. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yes. And then I thought, that's really weird. No, nobody know, nobody knew about it. I didn't tell anybody. And so the phone rang again. It was her insistent. She goes, hi, Victoria. I think we had a bad connection and, you know, we'd really like to, to see you. So I called up the makeup artist and I said, they called me, they're calling me in today. And she said, yes, I know. I gave them your photos and they want to meet you immediately. She said, whatever you do, don't wear any makeup, wear lip gloss, mascara, wear a white t-shirt, some jeans and some sandals and your hair down and just show up with a smile and um oh. they did I did that and and they pushed a contract in front of me that day and I didn't even read it I just was like yes 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 like everything <laughs> was yes I didn't care what I had to do um so that this was is it. my destiny <laughs> this is it they finally caught on they finally realized geez it took long enough so um so I shot my pictures and then I was I was slated to be Miss this uh, miss january 1995 oh. and then they found a bunch of other girls that they really really liked and they said we're gonna push you and i was oh, i was like oh my god they're gonna oh. they're gonna cut me out so i waited a whole nother year and i waited the long i waited longer than any other appointment has waited i waited a year and like eight months or something to be published oh so, wow. that is yes a and so when my, I'll just tell you one last little tidbit. When my magazine came out, I heard it was on the newsstand. So I ran to the local newsstand. It was like one of those outdoor ones. And I pulled it up and I said to the guy, so what do you think about her? You know, <laughs> just, eh, she's all right. And that's when I realized it doesn't matter what you look like. You can't please everybody. So that was a real learning lesson for me. It was very humbling that like, I need to, I need to come back down. You know what I mean? I had gotten this inflated head, like I'm all, you know. Okay. So, it was, well, I, yeah. I guarantee yeah. the newsstand guy thought you yeah. thought the plug the the centerfold was gorgeous. He just didn't want to look creepy and be like, you know. So he just kind of downplayed it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe, but at the time, it was probably the best thing that could, he could have said sure. because, yeah, you know. So anyway, that was that's my story, and that's how it happened, and um, it's been just nothing but nothing but I don't want to say uphill because that's not right but it's been nothing but a you know a glorious incline of experiences for yeah. me so and so, still now oh so so it, so then after you get signed or a playmate you aren't you like in contract for two years you're in contract something for like two that years. no you're in contract for two years that you won't do any nudity for anybody else oh, who okay. else are you gonna who else are you gonna pose nude for by the way if you're in playboy so that wasn't hard for me, but I guess there was some girls that wanted to go strip and make a bunch of money. And they really don't, they don't want, Hef never wanted the girls to be strippers and a playmate. He wanted there to be a difference. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to blur the lines. He wanted playmates to be special. Yeah. So if you were a dancer and they found out they would cut you or you would never make it in. Um, if you started dancing, you're blacklisted. If you do porn, you're blacklisted. 
So, you know, there was, there was just some, I wouldn't say rules in place, but there was, you know, some unspoken law about, you know, what was appropriate in Hef's eyes in order to be welcomed into the Playboy and stay welcomed into the Playboy family. So for me, that was a no brainer. Yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, easy, I mean, yeah. What you get, got out of it is not a big deal. Um, yeah. So I, I was curious on, so in, in, now that I hear that it's eight, a year later, a year and eight months later, but we'll say the 1996 play centerfold and then 2005 you were in again yeah I would yeah I did the amazing race so between the two photo shoots what you know from what what was the big difference between the first one and the second photo shoot? you weren't the playmate the second one but it was still a photo shoot it was still a photo shoot but it's considered a celebrity show photo shoot oh and you get paid a lot more money number one um had I won the amazing race Hef would have put me on the cover he put this other girl on the cover which he was he regretted afterwards he didn't think that she when once the cover came out he's like I really should have just put you on the cover because we ended up getting so it was my husband and I at the time my ex-husband we ended up getting so much attention for fighting on the show that we we got a Dr. Phil didn't even have a show yet he he was still on Oprah and he got a million pieces of mail and emails and whatever saying you need to help this woman she's an abused woman and that and so we were the ones that launched his dr phil show oh wow it was called romance rescue and it was a half hour and it aired on valentine's day after the super bowl i want to say or just before i don't remember i can't remember it was in and around it was in and around something important like that and it was at night which his thing is daytime now but it launched his show it was like a it was like a tease, a teaser to see how people respond to him having his own show. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how much we fought. We all, we, it was a lot of drama. <laughs> well, um, and I didn't want to bring up a bad uh, sorry, subject, but I never yeah. watched The Amazing Race. Oh, that's like, okay. But I do remember once I doing a little research on you, I do remember that in the highlights. I remember seeing it on news clips and um, in like, they kind of almost use that as a promotion. Oh, yeah. At the time, you know, like, oh, yeah, as a commercial. So I remember that, but I, I never watched the show. Um, well, so well, put, put it this way. They the winners usually go on a media tour once they win. Sure. And nobody knew who they were. And we got fifth place, but we got so much attention that we did the media tour. Oh, wow. <laughs> got the first place winners. So that's where there you go. Wow. <laughs> And, I, yeah. and uh, for an unfortunate reason, yeah, yeah, right. It was okay. It was a, it was, it was an incredible experience. Another, another moment in time that was like when they said you're on the show out of 250 applicants, then 250,000 applicants, I should say. Um, I was supposed to be on Survivor, and there was 300,000 applicants. I got down to the last 18, and they chose 16. So I was one of the two that they didn't. Show. I got all the way down to the end. Okay. But they said we really want to use you for another CBS show. So would you do the amazing race? And I said, absolutely not. Cause I really wanted to be on survivor. And so they, I told my husband, I said, why don't you use my husband and like another playmate and have the story be that he's cheating on me. And like, that's the backstory <laughs> with this other playmate. And they're like, we just don't like them. We want you. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to do this with him. So anyways, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a disaster because he's so controlling and he's, he's a screamer. So, and I just didn't want the, I didn't want the public to know how much of yeah. a screamer he was. And so that was, but, um, but it was still, a, it was still an experience of a lifetime. Yeah. So. You still got to go around the world and, and, uh, 
I mean, I'm sure you had already been around the world with Playboy, but but uh, not not just some of these. I've never been to Ethiopia, Iceland. Oh, okay. um, you know, just some of the places, um, Budapest. There's just some places I just never that I just never probably would have ever gone to. Yeah. So in that sense, and you're on your feet the whole time, so you're you're on the ground running and trains and all this other stuff. So it's not the same as if you're in a posh hotel and you know, oh, like right. you're just, you're just yeah sightseeing. I got to really see the nitty gritty of where we were and, and what was going on. Senegal, Africa, we went there. So it was pretty intense, I'll to say. So from when you agreed to be on the show to when you actually started filming, how long of a period was that? And what kind of prep did you do to go on the yeah. amazing race? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm under NDA, but I don't care now. So I'll tell you everything. Um, <laughs> basically, basically, they put you in sequester in the Doubletree Hotel when you're when you're when they're interviewing you to get on the race. So you're there for 10 days. You're not allowed to tell anybody you're there in sequester. You can't leave your room unless they're interviewing you and you're taking it's a barrage of things that happens. Once you get chosen, you go back to the hotel it's a three month thing. So you, you go back several times because we had to get 17 inoculations for every kind of oh, everything sure. for around the world and the booster shots, which take up to three months. So we had to continually go to the Doubletree Hotel and get shots and, it, you know, all over our bodies and stuff. And then we had other tests that we had to do psychological tests. We had to, I mean, it was on and on and on written tests. I mean, they really, they really try to push you to find out where your breaking point is because you know, they, I mean, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough deal. So, so quick question, so not to dis disrupt you, but to quick question on the psychological test, they didn't see anything with your ex-husband that <laughs> to keep him from coming on or they saw, they saw a total nut job and, and they wanted him, and they were just like, bring him in. <laughs> so TV. they were, okay. yeah, they were just like, he's harmless he's only going to harm himself basically. So, and possibly Victoria, which is fine because, you know, oh. they're used to it or whatever, but um, it, 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 yeah, they wanted, they, they loved the, we were fighting in the interview. I mean, we go into the <laughs> interview and we kind of, we kind of did that on purpose because we knew that would, you know, he has a marketing background and whatever, me being in Playboy, we, we know that it's about drama, right? Yeah, drama. So yeah. we went in, we practice a couple things that would come off spontaneous to bicker about and they just ate it up I mean it was okay. it was it wasn't hard anyways but um so that's basically what we did and then once you get and then once the three months comes up then they put you back in the hotel and you're sequestered for like a week and then they take you to the, the first mat the starting point wherever that may be if they fly you there then you don't get to know where you're going yeah. and you don't get to tell anybody where you are for 39 days you're not allowed to call home, check in, do anything. If you have kids, there has to be a point person that they call to check on the kids. You're never allowed to even talk to your children or anything. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. Wow. And then, and then as you get eliminated, as teams get eliminated, because some teams get eliminated, one team gets eliminated immediately. So they're on the race for three days and they're done. Oh. So what they do <laughs> is they, they find a sequesterville town, city, wherever, which happened to be Cancun. And they, you pack a bag knowing you're going to go somewhere if you get out. So you pack cash, which they hold on for you and like just bathing suits and it's just clothing and stuff. They tell you it's going to be a tropical vacation, you know, wherever it is. So you don't <laughs> know where it's going to be. Yeah. So then, um, so then who's at, who, as you get out, they fly people to Sequesterville and you have to be in that hotel, still not able to talk to anybody because they don't want 
you to be out and then your friends and family, oh, you're out. So we know you didn't win. They really want it to be a surprise for everybody. And even sure. once we got out, we weren't allowed to talk about it. So it was really interesting, but we got all the way to the, we were out fifth, but we really, out of, out of 12 episodes, we were in 11. So okay. essentially it made it almost to the end because it's three teams at the end. And then there's a double elimination between us and first place. So it, it rapidly gets down to three teams and the last three teams go to the finish line. So okay. we're basically there till the end. And then we're all there at the finish line for the winners to cross. So, oh, sure. yeah, so it's a, it's an amazing experience. It's a tight ship. I'll tell you that. I don't know how they put that to get produced that, but it's a tight ship. Yeah. They know exactly where you are and what's going on. And so. And push you. It sounds like they kind of push you. Well, no, they don't have to push us because it's a million dollars at the end of the rainbow. So we are running as fast as we can everywhere we go, okay. trying to get it at the front of the plane, the front of the train where, you know, getting the cab first, everything. They give you a nominal amount of money. So you know that you have just enough money for a plane, a train, whatever it is that you have to take. So you can't spend the money on stuff. Right. Yeah. But, but what we did was we begged everywhere we went. And so when we were done, we had tons of money and you're supposed to turn in your tickets. Whenever you get to the mat, you have all these tickets because you have a credit card where you pay for tickets last second. So they're super expensive. Sometimes they're $10,000, right? So, Jeez. and you have to buy them for the crew. So you have two people in your crew, plus the, the, the two racers on your team. So it's a, a group of four. That's always a cameraman, a sound man. And it's wow. you too. So you have to book their tickets off camera while you're booking your tickets. You have to finagle what you have to do it all. You have to book the, flights and figure out how to get there and so you have plopped down the credit card and so at the at the mat you're supposed to turn in all your tickets right mm -hmm. and they're in your name right and so uh we didn't turn in all our tickets and we cashed those things in for miles I mean, we had so, <laughs> we had so we ended up i don't remember where we went but we had first class tickets to some ski resort in vermont and, i mean we we were we you know so we, so we got yeah, a lot of that. We kind of played them a little bit, right? Nice. We did, and and one one town in one place in particular, we were in Budapest or whatever, and everybody's clothes were dirty. We were so dirty; it was like twenty days in, we're all sweaty, gross, dirty. And we actually, they actually let us stay in a hotel. It was kind of a mid. It was a break where you could where we had to be there for two days, and they did interviews and stuff. But they let you be in a hotel where you could take a bath and whatever. And so my ex was like screw this. We're, we're going to call down and we're going to give them all of our clothes and we're going to have them dry clean everything and send them back up till it has to be a 24 hour thing and just bill it to production's room. But there's so many people in production, they can't keep track of who's billing and what. So they just did it. And we got all our clothes. They were in plastic. And oh my God. So like, how, are you, how is your stuff so clean? I'm like, Bro, you know, <laughs> I'm very good at laundry. Wow. You guys really, <laughs> yeah, you really put a no thought wrinkles. into it. Yeah. So we got to, we got to, we, we were crafty in other ways. We just didn't win. <laughs> but it, but as you said, you kind of sounds like you did with the whole uh, media tour afterwards. So yeah, we didn't get paid for it, but we did get oh. a lot of media. And my husband said he, my ex was such an attention whore. You know, when we went to New York, we were very popular in New York and we would walk, you know, when we go to the press things or wherever we'd get in a cab or we'd walk on the sidewalk you would hear people go, Victoria, because he yelled at me through the whole show. Victoria, <laughs> it's a running joke. And he was so mad. He's like, everybody knows your name and nobody knows my name. I go, that's what you get for yelling at me. So, there so you go. everybody knew my name. It was, it was fantastic. It was karma. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was fan I love that answer. It was fantastic. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. So you're glad, um, 
so did anything come out of it? So you did the media tour, you didn't get paid for that, but did any jobs come out of it or any well, um, well, other things yeah. for you too? Yes. Um, well, besides the, the, the celebrity pictorial and playboy, oh, I got sure. paid for yep. that a good amount of money. Um, I, we also got picked up for two pilots for a show between the two of us. And, uh, and we also took, which never went anywhere, but we got paid for it. We did, um, we did celebrity fear factor. So they did, you know, the real world, they did apprentice, they did every two people from every team from all their big reality shows. Okay. And so, um, that was a little bit of a disaster because it's really sad. We ended up getting into a fight. He and I, of course, we were bickering and fighting and we were fighting with one of the other contestants and the other contestants backstabbed us so bad. I got so mad. I was in a thing with the alligator and mud and I was really frustrated and I, I, I got all scared because it's a long story. But anyways, I, <laughs> I, when I got out of the mud pit with the alligator all stressed out, I went over to the other player. It was Johnny Fairplay from Survivor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the name. And we had, we had all conspired the night before and everything, what we we're going to do. And he turned on us and I was so mad because we ended it. Anyways, I went over and I punched him in the stomach. I was so <laughs> mad. I didn't even think about it. And I'm in my bikini and everything, all mud and hair and everything. And Joe Rogan goes, you know, you guys can beat up on each other if you want to, but you can't do that to the other contestants. And my husband. I remember that too. He went up to Joe Rogan. He goes, hey, 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 you can't talk to her like that. And he got, he got in Joe Rogan's face, which we were told, don't talk to Joe. He's got a temper. Like, yeah. don't get him. Just, just when the camera's rolling, do your thing. When the camera's off, don't even look at him. And he got so mad. He he beat my husband to the ground and had him in a headlock they didn't show the beating they just showed the headlock and the Miz who was on the real world team he's a big WW wrestler guy yeah, the yeah. Miz. I was like someone come help my husband I was I went over to production they're still filming I said if you guys if someone doesn't security come over and help right now it's going to be the Victoria Fuller Fear Factor show I'm going to everybody was so mad and so the Miz came over he undid the headlock because Joe Rogan was in such a trance he was waiting for him to pass out and so the Miz came over and unlocked his thing got him out of the headlock and then my husband went after him again and they had to like separate him and so they stopped the show we walked off the show we walked off the show. Um, the show was canceled right after that episode. The, it was yes. like three episodes and you could win a half a million dollars. And Joe Rogan was already, he was so done with the show. He was just like, no. And we, we even contacted the DA to sue them and everything for battery. But because you sign a contract, you go on Fear Factor basically saying, if the shark bites your leg off, if the alligator kills you, if you die, if you get maimed, we are not responsible. Sure. And Joe Rogan is part of the show, so therefore, it's it's just a casualty of on our. It's on our. It's on us. Yeah. To yeah. deal with, and so we signed our right. They're like, well, they were kind of covered, so that was really unfortunate. But he he was done with the show, and it didn't. That was that was one of the last episodes. But we it was like three or four episodes, and the next episode was the girls had to be in some kind of a coffin with tarantulas and um, cockroaches crawling all over Ugh. them and stuff. I would have not, I, I, if one little spider put a finger on me, I would have been like, oh, you were, so, you, you were laying yeah. in the mud with an alligator and you wouldn't have done the spiders. Well, yeah. Cause one alligator I can deal with because yeah. I like dinosaurs. So I'm like, okay, I, I understand this animal cockroaches and tarantulas. I would have 
serious. I would have fainted. I think I would have had a heart attack. I, I, I don't think I would have done it. Yeah. So when we walk, we walked off the set and we said, we're not coming back, you know, like basically fuck you. And so um, that, that was the end of that. So okay we got paid we got paid to, i oh i made a deal with the producers because i did not want to go on the show i said i don't want to put anything in my mouth i don't want to eat anything i don't want anything in my mouth and we got twenty thousand dollars for just walking on the set so no matter what happened we've got twenty thousand dollars each that was the deal that we made so it was it worked out okay so that was sure. that long that's the long answer did you get any other things and we also did um girls but Next good Door. stories yeah we were on girls next door and then i was kendra's on the Kendra show, I was her nanny for a full, I was her nanny in real life. Yeah. She, she didn't trust me. And I said, well, I'm not working right now. I'll be your nanny. And uh, which paid really well. And then when the, when she, you know, she needed, I was basically the nanny on the show as well. So I got paid to be her nanny. And then the show paid me to be the nanny on the show. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't, so yes. can't argue so yes, with that. A lot of, I got a lot out of it. You get paid twice for the same job. That's the way to work it. <laughs> it was incredible. It was really incredible. I just think it's so funny that um, not watching any of the shows, but I remember over the years, Joe Rogan has talked about how he was done, but they done. roped him in going more. And I remember seeing those episodes of this guy attacking Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's all your husband. Yeah. Ex-husband. Ex-husband. I'm that sorry. That was the ex. Yeah, that was ex. So this is awesome that it's, we're interviewing you today. <laughs> yeah. Circle. So this is full circle for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's for sure. Um so going back to the second shoot after the, the Amazing Race, yeah. What, what, what was the big difference from the rookie to the you know now the? Um, it was it was what do you want to see yourself doing? Like what 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 can we do for you? How how do you want to be shot? Um, unfortunately, they still didn't really listen, but I did okay. have a little more control, but I said, I don't want my ass in the air. I don't want to wear anything pink and fluffy and no friggin' hats and that. And so that was, you know, I didn't want to be on all hands and knees and like, you know what I mean? Like it just, I just didn't want to do all that. I wanted to yeah. be more like, like, you know, like a model, like a model that's sexy and like nude than whatever. So I, so they still tried to put me in pink fluff with a hat on and wow. with my butt with my butt in the air and I was just like you people are not listening to me <laughs> and so I had to call Hef and be like someone needs to talk to them about what it is that I want I want to be in sexy lingerie and I want my artwork behind me because I want my artwork in the in the shoot because I want to be able to promote myself as an artist that's what I do and so they did kind of but it just so happened that the playmate that were they were shooting for the centerfold that came right after that everything and her thing was all about being an artist and pop artist and like oh. she wasn't the artist but they shot her against like she was in a studio painting pop art even though she wasn't a painter <laughs> uh, it just give me a break but anyways it was fine you know the pictorial didn't have that many pictures in it so I was a little disappointed because it was like a couple pictures and then it, the picture in the very middle was just a nude photo there was nothing I wasn't wearing anything at all so there was no no painting no lingerie it was you mm -hmm. know wasn't quite what I had wanted, but it was fine. It was, it was fine. And I shot with Helmut Newton. I don't know if you know who that is. Well, we've been hearing the name, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Helmut Newton does, did that big giant book, the sumo book yep. that cost $5,000, whatever. So I have two pages in that book. So I got to shoot with him. Um, he chose three playmates to shoot. And so I got to be in his book amongst Cindy Crawford Ooh. and everybody else. So that was really exciting. That's, so that's, that's awesome. There's, there's been some perks. 
Absolutely. Was, that, that was a shoot with you painting and then because you, you have some photos with you painting and then there's handprints of of colors. That was, yeah, that was done for my centerfold. So those are some okay. of the outtakes that they just didn't use for the centerfold. And then they used them at other periods of time for different things. Um, did I have that in the pictorial in 2005? Um, w- when you look I, at stuff I, online, they they don't really say, oh, this yeah. is this, this is that. So I was okay. just, they's kind of all together. You know, I've tried to force their hand to do the whole artist theme, like every time I shoot with them, just to, yeah. you know, to self-promote. So it, I've done it actually a few times, but I did do it for my centerfold and they've used the pictures for other things. Yeah. So the shoots, when you have the model, like I said, you know, you have the, the ink handprints all over your body from the colors. I'm just wondering if there's any way you can put a good word to me for me to do that job of just putting handprints <laughs> on, on playmates. You know, I'm just, you know. It, those were women's hands, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Those okay. were women. None of the men were doing the hands. They were very particular. I did a couple myself. I, I wouldn't have cared. It's like, whatever. They've seen it all. It's not, yeah. <laughs> no. And I well, wasn't re- So. I'm just kidding. Well, regardless, um, there was some of my favorite. I'm that you're like the handprint guy and you're really good at it. I, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Finger paint. Finger they, paint. They were, yes. I'm a great at finger painting. <laughs> They were very, they were extremely cute paintings or uh, pictures with the prints on them. Uh, they, they were. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the, your artwork and mm-hmm. with the, the the mixture of Playmates or Playboy and Half, you do have that connection where I've read you're like the only one that can use their trademark in your artwork. So I went to Half in early 2000 with my portfolio wanting to work for the magazine the art department because so I thought this is I, this is a segue into like my art career right thinking yep. I'll be art director or do something and so he was like these are really great but I don't think you want to work for the magazine I was like he goes I think we could do something better and he's like um you should get some licensing we need to get you some licensing and I was like what's that like that, that didn't even sound like a anything and then my ex was like you're kidding me and so he helped negotiate the deal where Hef gifted me the license so I'm the only artist that's ever received a licensing contract from Playboy and I had worldwide rights I'm the only licensee that had rights across the world because when you have a license you say you're a t-shirt license or the apparel license because they have a license for every category right so um, I had, they created the art license for me so if you have the apparel license you have to pay for every country you want the license in cost money hundred thousand dollars or whatever some astronomical amount so usually people just cherry pick a couple countries they're not going to be everywhere it's like america and england and like brazil or i don't know wherever but i had i had worldwide rights wow. so that was really because hef did not want any limitations on where i could sell where i could sell well here's the license i was able to paint all the trademark symbols of playboy plus the bunny costume which is their intellectual property hef the word playboy I could I couldn't use covers that existed, but I could create my own, okay. and uh, yeah, and then use those, and then create limited edition prints and sell those throughout the world. That was the licensing was to wow. create the the editions. So, yeah, and Hef um, what an signed honor. many paintings for me. He signed many prints for me, specifically one last uh, signing. The last last signing he did. My art is the only art you'll ever see his signature on. He did sign some other artwork where he just did his initials. He wouldn't do the whole signature. So he did 30 prints for me with his signature on it. And he did 
uh, 13 originals and oh, I have wow. like four of the originals uh, still left and I have some of the prints and I've been hoarding them because people still ask for them and I, I sell them for top dollar now. Yeah. So I mean, I always sold them for top dollar, but now I'm really can I can there's I can pretty much ask anything and people if they want it they they don't have a problem. So it's been really and you know what after he died I thought oh I'm gonna save a bunch and then after he's not around he's old right but after he's not around I'll I'll sell them and then when he died it was like I did I didn't have for for a couple of years I did not have the heart to right yeah to let promote go. them or sell them I didn't feel right about it at all but now it's like it's been enough time he wanted me to sell them and make money that's what he gave me the licensing for I did only have the licensing for 11 years they kept okay. renewing it for free for me and didn't ask for anything and all that but then it, it got to a point where it was new people, new licensing, uh, president of licensing. And they were just like, we don't want to give you the license anymore. You're going to have to pay for it now. And I said, I guess I'm done then. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I so, suppose when he I, sold off the corporation, then the new people were. Yeah, there was know? tons of new people and, you know, tons of new faces and whatever. And it was also like at a point where, you know, he really wanted the Playboy license to be just like a playmate to be a launching pad for you to do something else, right? It's a lily pad. He always called it being a playmate's a lily pad. You don't want to be a playmate for the rest of your life. You want to use it to launch yourself into whatever it is you're passionate about. So go open those doors with your playmate status. And the same thing with my licensing. He really, my whole thing was I wanted to be the next you know, female pop artist. So I wanted to be the next Andy Warhol type of thing. And I don't do pop art so much anymore, but that was my whole stick at the time that I mm-hmm. was running around with. And he was, he was all for it later on. Once my licensing, almost at the end of my licensing, he came to me and he said, um, I have a full page. Um, Olivia does the pinup, uh, full page pinup. Like she does the pinup and then he writes the gag, right? So it's like a pinup with a cute little joke or something. And she didn't want to do it anymore. It doesn't really pay much, but it's prestigious to have an entire page in Playboy. So he offered it to me. So I did do um, cartoons. So I collaborated oh. with half. He would tell me, he would do the gag and he would say, this is the gist of what I think you should do and do your own style. And, and so, and then he would correct it. No, I don't like the hand. I don't like this. And so he would tweak it for me and then they would print it on the full page. So like I said, it didn't pay a lot. It was like a thousand bucks a month or something. So, but it was, I mean, I had a full page to myself. So, which is pretty, pretty cool. It was pretty pretty fancy. Yeah. It sounds like you really did make the most out of your connection with him. He, he was so generous. He was so unbelievably generous with me as he was a lot of people that you don't ever hear about I mean just the staff alone he insisted that everybody go to college he wanted everybody to be educated and he offered the first two years he would pay for so anybody that worked for him he would pay for two years including the playmates a lot of the playmates wanted to do different whatever you know some kind of training some kind and he would pay if you went to him he it was a done deal didn't matter what it cost he he would pay the first two years that's what it kind of sounds like that it was um if you approached him with a great idea then he would he would back you on it. He's not going to run out and give, give, give to every playmate other than he does. But it sounds like you bring a great idea to him and he's back. He's ready to back you on it. He, he was supportive of every girl who wanted to do anything yeah. that they were passionate about. As long as they were passionate, it was something that they were good at and passionate about. Then he was, he was first in line to support you in, in whatever capacity that he could. So, which was a lot, <laughs> you know what I mean? So not to change the subject, but yep all the good stuff that we're hearing about half and we have heard nothing but terrific <laughs> things about half through all the plays we've seen 
right? there's the whole ask me the question the the controversy going on kind of right now with holly and and the doc you know kind of kind of bashing the guy and obviously i don't have an opinion because I don't, I don't know him but i'm gonna gi- i'm gonna give you my opinion thank you uh, okay so here's my opinion and first i'm gonna say Holly was very instrumental in me becoming even really closer to Hef than I was because during the time that she was with him is when I got my licensing, when I was doing all my art shows, he showed up to all of them. And it's because Holly, Holly and I were friends. Holly came to the mansion. She was working at Hooters. She was a nobody and nobody would talk to her on the Sunday. She was just, she was just a girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she wasn't as fabulously cute as she is now, whatever, but she was still really cute. And I talk to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a playmate or this or that, whatever. So I always hung out with her. You know, it would be her and I, we'd look at magazines, we'd hang out by the pool, whatever. And so once she became Hef's uh, girlfriend, everybody also wanted to be friends with her. And she's like, (laughs) no, Victoria is my real friend. And uh, so she really, she was really loyal to me in that way. So, so when she came up with this same book, six years ago or whatever it was before Hef died Mm -hmm. it was really it was really hard for me because I knew she you know her and Hef she tried to have a baby with Hef he wasn't going to divorce Kimberly until the kids were 18 and older he didn't want to deal with all the all that custody and all that and he told Holly that he tried to get her pregnant it didn't happen she met Chris Angel on a freak thing he came to the mansion to do a stunt she fell madly in love with him and found a way to basically ditch Hef. And she, she ran off with Chris Angel and broke Hef's heart. Hef was very upset about it. And I met her and Chris Angel at Disneyland of all places. She said, you got to come meet him. I want you to meet him. I met him. We all hung out and I thought they were very much in love. And it did, it ended badly because of I, if you want me to tell you a story, I can, but I don't know how much time we have, but anyways, that ended and she ended up marrying someone else and that ended. And, you know, she's, she had a show in Vegas. She was making millions of dollars right. at the, being a residency at the show. And she was getting all this attention and she's girls next door. And she was, you know, and, and, and I hate to say it, but I think girls get um, girls want to girls who people that taste fame the way that probably she has from being a Hoosiers girl to being Holly Madison um get a taste of fame and fortune and attention and 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 I don't doubt I wasn't there so I don't know what she personally went through but I will Mm -hmm. say this when Hef makes someone a girlfriend he sits them down or has a conversation with them and I only know this because I've known a plethora of girlfriends and the story has always been the same he sits them down and he says this is what I want from you. Blop, 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 blop. And this is what I'm going to give to you. And there's rules. There's a curfew. There's a this, there's a that. How do you feel? Would you like to be my girlfriend? The answer is always yes. Right? <laughs> I would say yes. It's not, it's not a problem. Um, and so they know what they're getting. And it is an arrangement, definitely sure. an arrangement. And he'll tell you, I don't want to know what the girl's agenda is. It takes the fun out of it. I don't care. I'm giving, I'm telling them what I want and I'm giving them what they want. And we're, sure. we have, we haven't, he understood it was an agreement and, you know, normal people, it doesn't work that way. And I understand that normal relationships don't work that way, but it's Hugh Hefner and that's how he operated. And that worked for him and the people that were in his life. And for the rest of us, it, it didn't mean anything that he had a bunch of girlfriends. He was 
so good to all of us. And he was good to his girlfriends. Was he crabby? Was there, when you have seven girlfriends and they're fighting over trying to be the number one girlfriend <laughs> and all the bitchy drama that happens and whatever, do you think he gets a little annoyed and upset and angry and, and all this stuff? Yes. I think sure. it probably wore on him. And I, and I think he, he's also, he's, it's known that Hef will shoot the messenger. So if you go to Hef with a problem, you're going to get, you're going to get something bad's going to happen to you. Do not want to be the messenger. You go to Mary O'Connor, who was his assistant. She's the messenger. He'll listen to it from her. He's not interested in anything else. So girls were constantly trying to put the book, you know, so-and-so has a boyfriend, you know, and he would get so, you know, so Holly rose the ranks of girlfriends to the top. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know the process of getting to the top, but I imagine it's stepping on a couple ears, funny ears, <laughs> and right. um, deflating a couple tails. And um, <laughs> and Hef really did love her, but I think it was a struggle with all the girls getting his attention finally. So there probably was a little there probably was conflict between them. And like I said, crabbiness or whatever, but I didn't read her book from what I understand her feeling trapped. I don't know how you can feel trapped when you're cashing the check. That's number one. I don't know how you feel trapped when the front door is open and you can take the car he bought you and leave any time. Um, you know, there's, there's just, there's just things. I, I think she really wanted to be there. I think she really wanted to be dedicated to Hep. I think she was really good to him. I think she okay. was very, very good to him. She cut his, he didn't go get his hair cut and his nails done and all that. She did all that for him. She always made sure he, he didn't have food on his mouth. His hair was in place. You know, she took, she really cared for him a lot more than most of the girlfriends did that were there just for whatever. And so I really was surprised when it turned out the way that it did and even more surprised with the book. So that's my opinion on what happened. I love Holly. Mm -hmm. I adore Holly. She's been really good to me she was responsible for Hef you know being very supportive of of my art career she was the, she was shoving him to be like Victoria 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 so for that I am internal uh, you know in, indebted to her but I I don't I don't like the the book idea and I don't like the bashing of a man who who was so generous and so amazing to so many people and he he wasn't a he, he wasn't a pedophile and 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 as the Me Too thing happened, there wasn't outside of the Holly, I guess there was never a Me Too thing with Hef. Right, he right. You didn't hear anything. You never heard. It. No one ever came forward and said there was some Me Too thing, right? So where he was weird or anything like that, he was he he was really he loved being in love. He loved all of his girlfriends, and and like I said, he followed through with what he promised them. You know. The money, the cars, the dogs, the surgeries, the mm -hmm. clothing, the parties, the fame. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, they all knew what they were getting into. And if they decided along the way they didn't like it, then they did have the ability to leave. No one was shackled to the mansion floor or the dungeon or anything like that, if there was a dungeon. But <laughs> so, so it, it hurts my feelings that sure. she has done that. and. And I think she's getting a, a Netflix show or she's getting a oh. movie of the week or she's, I, I don't know what kind of deal she's gotten, but she re-released the same book six years later. So right. it's not the same book. It's, there's nothing different about it. I don't think, I don't know what you can add if you already did a tell all what, a, what else there is to tell, but, but there is another woman whose father was a, was Hef's doctor and she was very young when she used to go to the mansion. And now she's writing some big tell all book but she was 86 from the mansion 
long ago. So mm. I don't know what her gripe is, but she's another one that um, she's, I don't like her. I like Holly, even though I'm saying this about her, but I love Holly, but I don't, this other woman is okay. terrible to me. I can't even believe that she's saying what she was because she wasn't even there. She wasn't yeah. even there. She wasn't there as an adult. She was there as a child. And that was a whole different ball of wax. So. Oh. Well, until that comes out, we won't know. But yeah, to your point, yeah, all of a sudden it became new again. I don't know if she added to the book, but then she did a little bit of a, a promotion or she was on some shows, some podcasts talking about her experience. And I think because have being gone, it was yeah. it's a little bit easier because no one, no one is there fighting. Playboy is not fighting against you and Hef isn't fighting against you. And let me add, he was so good to her that at one point he made her editor of the entire magazine. Wow. The, the, the editor that yep. had been for 40 years, Maren Grabowski, like stepped down and he said, oh, just put Holly in. And the staff was like, oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, she's doing and he and I don't know how long she did it for, but she had an assistant. She had the office. She had she was uh, in charge of all the photo shoots and the, everything. I mean, talk about a power position that this man gave her. Right. So he, he, he was he was good to her in ways that she never would have. She never would have had the fame and the fortune and the name Holly Madison mean anything had she not been with Hef. So it's, it's, to me, it doesn't really make sense to to do that ethically. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel good. But she has two kids. She needs to feed herself and her family and if this if she's finding That's a finding win on this see if she was doing it for free and it's because she wanted to help other women i don't think this book is helping any women right right yeah. so, so we had the, yeah you know we had uh echo johnson on and she is very vocal about this yeah. um about it all and mm-hmm. so prior to having her on a second time i had watched an interview with holly madison on um a podcast ask your mother uh, i forget the one so some podcast call her daddy call her daddy that's what it was and so i watched that with holly and the only thing that i, I took out of that was when she the whole the door was open it was more every time i wanted to leave i went hmm i gotta support myself i'll stay it was never anything other than i don't want to have to be my own, take on responsibilities for myself and that's what she was saying on air like I felt yep. I was too, um, it was too hard for me. So I stayed and I don't, I didn't have, so I was, I was, I'm mixed on it. I wasn't there, but well, it, it is hard the way she talked, I didn't yeah. buy into when it. When you're given the keys to the kingdom, you're the woman of the house. You're in charge of the mansion. You're running the show. Yeah. You're the editor of the magazine. Every playmate is sucking up to you to be your friend. You know what I mean? Like every person, every girl you're getting millions of followers on in, on all your social media. Everything. You're getting endorsements. You're getting covers of magazines. You're getting all that stuff. And if you leave, that's going to end. It doesn't usually stay. She she was able to continue to monetize her celebrity past being with Hef. Um, but but you know, obviously, obviously things taper off. You know, we don't hear about Kendra. We don't hear about Bridget at all. I mean, at least I don't. So, you know, fame is fleeting and it, and, and I think when you get addicted, you will, you know, maybe do things that maybe aren't as integrous as if you, you know, like you said, addicted. Yeah. yeah. Just like everything. Yeah. So do you have any contact with Holly now? Have you, have you you talked to her lately? I haven't talked to her lately. I, you know, we keep in touch through social media. She's been 
unbelievably wonderful to my daughter. My ex-husband mm-hmm. went to her and Hef when they were trying to have a baby and said, would you guys be the godparents? And she was, she loved my daughter so much. She was very good to my child. And she mm-hmm. said, absolutely, of course. And she, she basically was like, Hef, and you're the godfather. He's like, okay, I'm the godfather, you know? So, you know, which is my daughter's 15 now. She tells people Hef was my godfather. It's like, they're like, oh my God, really? <laughs> the only child he was a godfather to. So it was, nice. it was, it was Holly, 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 Holly. So it is with great, um, it's very hard for me to say anything negative about her because sure. she, she has been such a, a light in mine and my daughter's life and really mm-hmm. good to me, but we don't stay in touch. We don't hang out. We through okay. social media, she'll answer me immediately. And we'll talk, we'll talk through social media, but outside of that, there's no phone calls hanging out. We're not going to lunch. It's nothing like that. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Enough about Holly Madison. Let's talk about you and <laughs> you and your beautiful artwork and where people can see it. And yeah. How you got, how'd you get into it? I mean, you've, well, it sounds like well, you've been into it since you're a little girl. Yeah. So I was two years old and I was, I would copy Snoopy off the newspaper with my crayons and my mom's like, Oh, well, she's got a talent. And my, <laughs> my great, 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 triple great grandfather started the Newland school of art in England. And um, he was a very wealthy man and his father wanted to be a businessman. And when his father died, he went back to his art career. His father did not want to be an artist. So he started a, a very famous school in England um, by buying up land and putting up these studios. And anyways, I was romanced by his story my entire life. He had a paint, he has paintings in the Royal Academy and he was also in the Louvre. Oh, wow. For the, there was like always a, not a permanent collection, but for the salons where you, anyways, where you're, it's part of the Louvre and he was able to get into those. And he had a limited amount of paintings that he had done. He actually came to California with his wife and he died in Northern California. But um, I was so romanced by him my entire life. I thought I'm going to channel him. I always thought this as a child, I'm going to channel him. And and one day I'm going to be in the Louvre. Okay. One day I'm going to be in the Louvre. So for me, being an artist was, that was it for me because I thought that is a direct, uh, you know, I'm a direct descendant of that line of art. And my mom's father was an artist and my father was an artist and everyone in our family is basically left-handed except for my daughter is not left-handed. But, um, and so I come from artists all over the place. So for me, it was ingrained in me at a very early age. It was just all that I thought about. It was just all that, all, all that I did all the time. I was in my room alone painting drawing and I would corral the little kids on the street and I would do art lessons and teach them how to draw Snoopy <laughs> and, and so I, I just was into it so that was my life and then you know I, I, I did do some college but I really didn't want to do all the math and the English and the, all the other requirements I really just wanted to get to the art class yeah. it's really I wanted to learn I didn't know how to use oil paints so I needed to understand how to use the meat how to clean a brush how to mix the colors, not mix the colors, but mix them with the mediums to make them work on the canvas. Cause I didn't, I hadn't painted yet. So I really learned how to use the mediums in college. And then that was, that was it for me. I was off and running after that. And you are uh, just a fantastic <laughs> painter of portraits. And that's, uh, my, that's my gig. Yeah. Yes. And is there anybody, I, I mean, I went through and looked at, you know, you've done Marilyn, Abraham Lincoln, obviously half um, is there anybody you want to do that you haven't had a chance to do or that, you know, is there somebody on your bucket list that you're like, I'm going to paint that besides dipples in the beard? Yeah. I mean, we can commission uh, yeah, you for I, our- I, um, <laughs> bucket list. Um, 
So, you know, I did, I did actually do a painting called The Last Tea Party, and it's a rendition of The Last Supper, and it's mm-hmm. on my website, victoriafuller.com, and um, you can see it there, and I really kind of, it was really, it was before, it was while Trump was trying to get into office, everybody wanted me to put him in the painting, and I did not want to, but um, it's a political painting, and it's called The Last Tea Party because of what's going on, the story that's going on in the yeah. painting. And I really put in a bunch of characters that I really that I really was interested in painting, all different textures, styles, skin color, and Barbie, which is plastic, Lego Jesus in the middle, which is yeah. plastic. So there was, a, and a bunny, and just lots of textures. And it was really a study for myself to try and depart from Marilyn Monroe and all this, but still stay to like a pop culture theme and, um, but not be so it's, it's happy, but it's has a serious side too. I've gotten some death threats because I have the Ayatollah in there between uh, Alice in Wonderland and Grumpy Cat and Hillary Clinton and him being in between all that pussy made people really upset. (laughs) Oh my God. So uh, that was, that didn't, that has not, they, they keep, and I guess someone, um, did a at I told at his office and sent it to his direct office so that they could see. So it's I, I anyways, um that's <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But I'm like, I'm not taking it down. It's art. And right, right, exactly. why would you have our leader, our beautiful leader in that position? And I said, because he's a um political icon. And they're like, okay, well that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um but uh, no I wouldn't say there's anybody you know I did a recent painting I was I do commission work and I was commissioned to do Boba Fett oh nice yeah and I'd never I love Star Wars and he was a pretty big challenge for me and I did it in layers of resin and gold leaf and I did stuff I never would have done before and I thought I told him I said I'm gonna go on and do something he goes do whatever you want and make it amazing so I did all these chemicals and mediums and all this stuff and poured resin all over it and made it you know like and um it ended up being really beautiful and so that actually was something I didn't realize that I would have wanted to paint had I know how fun it was but it was a super big challenge but it came out really great and it it was inspiring to do something that that wasn't a, a human basically you know it was a different it was a different portrait to create character and to basically show character someone's soul right is why i like mm-hmm. portraits but to do it on someone that has a helmet on is really difficult yeah so yeah, the challenge cool. was to the challenge was to capture his personality even though you can't see his face so um that was that was really cool it was really fun it turned out great he was a, he was the client was very very happy so that's, that was recent. That's, so that's is that on your important. website or is that was that a person i can't post it yet because he's he had he's giving it as a gift so i can't even put it on my um instagram or anything but i will at some point you'll be seeing it okay because so. i i'm like i don't remember seeing that and i know it would have stood out because he was my favorite character when i was a child and oh really oh yeah he's pretty intense and he's so dirty and rough and like yes yeah so he's an interesting character to do my favorite character was yoda but not well, sexy yeah not sexy. no no i love yoda too but he was the bad boy kind of the phony hunter. yeah 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 <laughs> I'm with so you. so so my art career is going well but um i'm in nfts now and i've yeah. i've i've put my art career on canvas i'm transcending my artwork past the canvas now to a digital medium that is far more exciting 
than a gallery could ever offer me. And there you um, go. You, I'm, I'm under NDA with my project, but um, you are going to be hearing about me in the next year. Just keep an watch. ear open. Yeah, NFTs have all of a sudden just it's the thing. Yeah, come out of nowhere to uh, not been out of nowhere. They've been around since two, um, since 2017. Really? So, okay. Yeah, uh, maybe 2016, but. I was introduced to them in 2017. This artist said, you really need to get into this. And he showed me the crypto kitties, which is like these NFT. Anyways, I was like, that's the dumbest I've ever heard. Why? What? Who? What? What's the what? And then I thought, God, cryptocurrency is getting all this weird attention. And I didn't really understand it. But I thought I better I better investigate and get a little bit more interested because if he's if he's saying this is the wave of the future and every artist should jump on board because this is where the art the art is this is a new medium that the art is it's the it's the most innovative evolution of art that's ever going to happen in our lifetime and I thought what does that even mean and um and he was absolutely right he was right so it's come it's you know it took me a couple of years I got wallets I started trading crypto a little bit early early and stuff and then in the beginning of the year, Elon Musk's girlfriend made $5 million in seven minutes selling her NFTs. And I was like, doo, 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 doo. So I was like <laughs> what, what was that? And then um, I got really involved. So that's where it happened is January of this year. So okay. um, I, yeah, I have a big project coming out and you're going to hear about it in the end of February. Awesome. Okay. That is yeah. excited for it to come on. Yeah. So stay in touch. <laughs> we, we will we want to promote your stuff um yeah i, I do want to mention i'd love your bunny stew prints oh thank you yeah that's my uh my pop art my not to go back to it but I, I want to bring it up and i just love it entertainment for men you know yeah, yeah. so it's the uh, yeah playboy entertainment for men is on the can those are some of the first silk screens that i did and i think i did I want to say I did like 30 of them. So I think I have no, maybe I guess I have none left. I tried to hang on to some for myself, but I've, I've slowly sold out of a lot of, you know, I sell through things when people ask me about, it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Buy it. So, um, so those are all gone, but I did a hundred, I did a hundred bunny money and I sold through those too. I did a tour for the Playboy's 50th anniversary. They did a tour of 50 cities and I piggybacked on the cities where I showed up in my bunny costume one night. And then I made a show at a gallery the following night. So I promoted myself at the Playboy party and Playboy was all into this. They already knew about it because they had my products in the show at the yeah. Playboy. So I would be a bunny one night. And then the next night I would go be the artist and I, I'd be at the art, art, the art gallery selling the Playboy art. So it was, so I did 50 shows in one year for the wow. 50th anniversary. Yeah. So that was a big um, boost for my career as well. I got into a lot of galleries. That's what well, it must sounds fun just to, to be able to do that. Yeah, it was awesome. cities. yeah it was, the only thing I didn't get to do is be on the bus on the tour bus. All the girls got to be on the tour bus and I had to keep like jumping from, oh, pl- you know, I, I was kind of doing my own thing, but nonetheless, um, you know, I had bigger things to do than be on a bus. <laughs> So is, is, is there artwork of yours available for purchase anywhere right now? Or is this part of the, the big project that's coming up? No, none of the, none of my Playboy art is, has anything to do with this NFTs because okay. I no longer have the intellect. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. have the rights. I've asked Playboy if I, in there, like, absolutely not. So I'm not doing anything Playboy and that's fine. Um, 
I don't sell my artwork anywhere. I don't promote it anywhere other than my social media where I'll just post stuff. But I don't even on my website, I don't have a for sale page or anything like that. I thought about it, but I thought, ah, people always want to talk to me and ask questions. And they usually buy stuff after speaking to me and having questions about the art. It's a very personal thing. And I charge a lot. So before they plop down that credit card, they want to they want to talk to me and whatnot. So for me, if people are interested, they they get a hold of me and they ask me what's available, is this available, blah, blah, blah. And then I sell it from there. So yeah. I, and I have clients that I've been painting for for 20 years that pop up out of nowhere, like, oh, you know, I bought a painting from you five years ago. And now I would love for you to commission you to do, um, you know, painting of my wife or my whatever. And so, so I do get commissions and I mean, that's kind of like, it's, it's, it, it pays really well. The commissions pay really well. Sure. I don't have to do many of them a year. So it's a really fun job that that job's really fun, but I am doing less of that and just focusing on the NFT because uh, if you know about anything about N- N- NBA top shots, not a thing. No, I mean, no. I shouldn't say not a thing. I've heard a little bit about it because just from listening to the NFT conversations, but I don't right. know a lot about it. Well, they're just, they're modeled, they're, digital trading cards and their NFTs. And they came out just over, they came out October of 2020 and they are at a, almost a billion dollar market cap. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. So this is the game I want to be in. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Well, I don't feel like such a moron because I, I went on your website and I kept going, I have no, I, I can't figure out how I could even purchase i was just kind of looking around yeah it's elusive it's yeah, elu- so- it, trust me it's elusive but people still i still get enough people inquiring through sure. really through my instagram is where mostly stuff comes from now sure. and i can tell right away if it's someone if it's a fan that just wants to talk to me right. or if it's someone that's actually interested i can i can usually tell i can i see through the weeds but um but it's been it's been fine that way for me you know, I'm not in any galleries. I've pulled out after when COVID started, I pulled, I was out of all galleries almost anyways, and then tried to get back into galleries and galleries are a nightmare for me. They take half. Sometimes they don't give you your art back. Sometimes they sell it, don't tell you. And then you have to chase them. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, they, they treat you like they're very, they can be very snobby. And for me, it was just like, you know, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not interested in working with a bunch of egos. Like I'm in the business of selling art and making people happy by them purchasing something that enriches their life, not by having an ego and I'm too good. And let me, I don't, I don't want to play that game and do all that stuff. So for me, the not being in any galleries is very liberating for me as an artist, not to have to have that connection to, to, I don't need them to sell my art. I'm, I, I do it on my own now and it's sure. been totally fine. Yeah. Well, regardless, they should go to your Instagram page and look at your because it's beautiful i mean oh, I really, it, it's just it's fun to walk, look through it all because i've done it several times um, oh good <laughs> I, I mean you'll quote it as well but it is you know victoria fuller underscore artist is your yeah. instagram page and yep. yeah it's just fun to look around at your stuff and be like love to see this on my wall but you know what's really sad is that when bachelor came there's a bachelor that came out not too long ago and one of the girls that got all the way to the end she was victoria fuller so when you googled victoria fuller it was me for 20 years (laughs) now it's it's this other girl um so it's really funny because well it's kind of better because my daughter's 15 and there's less nudity of like if her friends and they do google me it's it's none of i'm not coming up like i was before 
Yeah. So just like some art stuff and whatever, a lot of stuff has been phased out. You have to really search for the the nudity or the links that say I'm doing porn and all that, you know, all the <laughs> yeah. playmates well. unfortunately have those links and stuff. Cause my daughter was like, you know, my friends came to me and they said, you're doing porn doing this. And I'm like, come on, this, please. It's just it's, a thing to click through clickbait. It's, so it's, she's like, it's oh, sad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. This uh, it's, and she's a brunette. I believe it that comes up that. Yes. Of the person, other I, personality. Hey, she's very cute. So if people yes. think, Oh, that's Victoria Fuller. Not so bad. <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> it's okay. Um, before we go, I would like to, I do, I don't want to leave without asking you about, oh boy. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. It was, you were in the old with, uh, with David Lee Roth and his old. Oh yeah. Oh, that was great. David Lee Roth. What was it called? No hold, no hold bars. Barbecue. Wow. You guys really did your research. I forgot about that one. Yes. It was me, Karen McDougal and the Dom triplets spent two years with David Whoa. Lee Roth every other weekend, Friday and Saturday, filming for six to eight hours um, from when it was light out till just after, just after the sun went down. And he filmed, he, I don't even know what, I mean, I know what it is for now, but basically he wanted, you know, he went on to tour with Sammy Hagar. Is it? No. Yeah. No. Sammy no. Hagar replaced him. Well, I mean, they no, went they on did. tour together. They did a duo. They went tour. on tour together and they would, one would open, the other one would be the, yes. yep. the, the, and then they would switch and whatever. And so when David Lee Roth came on, he had the big Armatron screen behind him and he played No Holds Barbecue. And he invited me to one of the concert. I was, this is the best story. Do we have time? Absolutely. If you have time, okay. we have time. <laughs> so this is the best story. You're going to love this. So I had an ex-boyfriend that was a tragedy and we broke <laughs> up right when I was becoming a playmate and thank God he actually dumped me. I was so devastated, but it was, oh, that idiot. <laughs> I was oh, he was such a jerk. And he dumped me for a girl who allegedly was becoming a playmate. And then I became a playmate and she was just a liar. So that worked out well, but um, karma, karma, he was a jerk. And so anyways, we broke up and I was with my ex-husband. We weren't married yet, but I got invited after filming with David Lee Roth to, you know, one of his concerts in LA and we got backstage and everything. And so I'm backstage and my ex who I hadn't seen in a year or something came up to me and he's like, Victoria. And I was like, uh, and my ex was like, I'm going to let you guys talk. I'm like, please don't go. And so my ex was like, I, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry. And he apologized. I'm like, oh yeah, it's fine. I just, it's totally cool. I just couldn't get away from him fast enough. <laughs> and um, anyways, so we go into the concert, David Lee Roth starts his concert and we're sitting there and the song Beautiful Girls comes on. And the entire song was my face up close for the entire song. Everything that he had filmed of me made a montage of just me wow. on the screen. And I was, I was telling everybody, I was like, that's me. They're like, yeah, right. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, it's me. I didn't have any makeup on at the concert, but you know, I was, whatever. Anyways. And I'm thinking, I, I know my boy, my ex-boyfriend is watching this right now. And <laughs> so it was, it was, that was like such a good moment. That was that moment where you're like, <sighs> yes, that's, you yeah. take those little victories and you just uh, enjoy them. Big, that was such a good victory. I was like, Ooh, you just, Ooh. <laughs> It felt, it felt so good. And I, nobody, I couldn't even share it with anybody, but even my ex, I couldn't, it was so loud. I was like, I got, you know, he was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, and the, and the thing is, if you didn't uh, see the tour with him, I thought I remember when I watched it again, leading up for tonight, 
um, that they promoted Where did you that see it? on YouTube. Oh, okay. He it's made a two-hour video. He made a two-hour video and compiled everything together. We got a copy, but it's so such a horrible copy. It's unwatchable. It's staticky, and the sound is bad. Okay. So we did. We did, and it's on bait. It's on a VHS. <laughs> so you know, I never had it converted. I still have the VHS, but um, but um, he. I'm not really sure what his thought process was behind that, other than using the concert. I think he thought it was going to be some cult classic or I, I mean was a little, I'll be honest and we shot at his house by the way in Pasadena wow. house, he grew up in that house his father was the the leading dentist or what ortho surgeon in the U.S. military and he was very wealthy and they moved from he was born in Indiana and they moved out to Pasadena his father bought this it's a mansion but it was in shambles I mean he didn't have any furniture in the mansion and you weren't allowed to go upstairs. He only lived upstairs. So we were downstairs. He had two refrigerators in the kitchen and you open the refrigerator and there's nothing but like champagne and alcohol in the <laughs> fridge, nothing else. And, um, and so he had everything catered and he took care of us and everything, but um, it was a very strange setup because it was, it was a manor. I mean, it was a old, it was one of the old houses in Pasadena, like, like French Tudor. And, okay. um, but the grounds were in, desperate need of attention and kind of falling apart and that's where we filmed everything and then we filmed a lot of stuff in the basement which he claimed was haunted and he gave us a whole story about it being haunted and then we went down there and we had midgets machine guns and whatever was the theme right so <laughs> that's david lee ross that was david lee ross was, in the i 80s. was like what is going on like and nothing ever made sense. And so we're all kind of doing, and you know, he's high as a kite. He drank a whole bottle of Jack Daniels every night. Everybody's passing around the, the not, not us, not the girls, but you know, this they're, they're passing around a joint. that's like this. I, it was, it was, they were just high as a kite and they had the machine guns and the big black guy and the midget and the whole thing. And we're doing, and so he had us in the basement and the basement was huge. And it was like a labyrinth. You'd go around the corner and then all of a sudden, miraculously, the lights shut off. So we're in pitch black and I can't tell you how friggin' scared I was. And then they turned the lights on and he'd take our picture. And I mean, it was very, it was a very bizarre thing. And um, my ex-husband at the time was a huge David Lee Roth fan. And he came to pick me up at the house on set, whatever, one night. And so um, he pulled up, he had a Ferrari. We weren't special, but he had a Ferrari. And he pulls up in his Ferrari thinking he's going to impress David Lira. And he, walk, he walks himself, he opens the gate and walks onto the grounds. And David heard that someone had walked onto the property. And so he met him with his Glock loaded and cocked. Oh. Had it like this. And he said, who the fuck are you? And he was like, oh, I'm Victoria's husband. And, you know. <laughs> And he like was like, and I'm like, it's official. And, you know, <laughs> so he, he was not happy about, it. he said, don't ever let it, you're not, you don't ever come on my property again, unless I invite you don't ever pull the thing on the gate unless we open it. And she, he said to me, he said, he's not welcome here. And I said, no problem. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? You're going to get me fired. But the best part about that job was we would shoot uh, Friday and Saturday, sometimes part of Sunday. And then at the end of the shoot, whatever the Sunday, Sunday night, or if it was Saturday night, he would come out with a wad of cash and he would tip us. Wow. So we were already oh. getting paid. And then he'd come out with a wad of cash and he'd be really drunk. We're like, okay, how much are we getting tonight? But he would give us like between 500 and $800 for just as a, just as a tip, 
just as a like didn't have anything to do with you know we already got yeah. our tech for doing it we got a thousand dollars a day and then we got that extra tip so it was it was a really good gig I sure. have to say yeah. and and he was actually really really fun and I have a portfolio of photos that um I don't know if what he used in his things I never watched it all the way through but I have a portfolio of photos where I'm in the mark the giant martini glass yeah um, and and pictures where he, you know he and I it's just him and I in the pictures I have little Polaroids and it's just I have them on my Instagram and so um I got to do a lot of one-on-one stuff with him so it was really cool I grew up with Van Halen on MTV yeah yeah so he was really he was really iconic to me and I always loved his music and you know I mean it's it he was he was uh he was amazing he was really fun to work for actually he was Looney Tunes he's one of a kind he's, he's one Looney of a kind Tunes but he was he was very generous and he was he was extremely creative you know and he was always going ah, you know doing his voice <laughs> it was just fun I mean he was he we would do out so he would so he we would do our thing and they would film us and then there was a secondary crew filming the filming of the filming so wow. he had these crews like that so he could film behind the scenes while we're filming it was it was bizarre. It was cameras everywhere. We never knew what was going on. He would just tell us, stand there and don't do anything. Stand there and stick your tits out. Stand there. And, you know, <laughs> we were just like, whatever. So that was fine. Some of the, some of the scenes are, you could see it, all you were, the girls are like, kind of like, we don't know what to do. Just move around. We had no and, clue. Yeah. We had no clue what to do. And he'd come on the set and be like, no, 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 no. You know, he would, whatever. And be like, okay. You know, we didn't, we didn't quite, we never knew if we were doing it right. Let's just put it that way. We sure. were just kind of, but we had so much, us girls, the four of us, we had so much fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we just got to, there was a lot of downtime where they're setting up the set and doing all that. So it was a lot of downtime. So in one of his refrigerators, he had a huge bottle of champagne and it was, he had gotten it from the 1984 MTV Music Awards as part of his gift when he got an award he was on stage with it and it was an bottle of champagne that said MTV it was very elaborate it was obviously a beautiful from 19 maybe 1989 or whatever 1984 when his album whatever and so it was in there and Karen McDougal who was playmate of the year and he had a big crush on her she's like I want that bottle of champagne I said well I think that looks pretty fancy it hasn't been open for all this time so I think he's hanging on to it and he said she goes so what's with the bottle of champagne and he goes oh no 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 that's for a special occasion so she so she thought about it she thought about it so one of our last nights that the last night that we were shooting she goes so is this a special occasion enough you know she was flirting with him and he goes I'll be right back and he went and got the bottle popped the cork nice and we all had yeah it was a huge bottle it was a big bullet and and I, he, I got to keep the bottle so um yeah I, I was he threw it in the garbage and I was like <laughs> Is this is this tacky? Because I would like to keep this. <laughs> wow! So you still have it? And I had him, I had him sign it. I'm like, is it even tackier to have your signature? I had the girls sign, have everybody sign it, and um and so I had that for the longest time in my studio. I was putting paintbrushes in. It was my paintbrush holder, and um and then um one day it broke. It oh, fell off. No. It broke. So. regardless it's a it's a it's a cool story to, that you got it was it. it was the best people would always go what is that it was very it was really pretty neat so and that, anyways that's, that's why we get into the nfts they're not they're not breakable right they're not breakable they're not <laughs> scam. well they're not they're not hackable they're right. not 
Yeah, you can't fake. You can make a fake if someone doesn't know what they're doing, but if you look closely enough, you can see if something isn't the real deal. Sure. You know, yeah. you can, people can copy. I can put out an NFT and someone can copy it and call it something close and sell it in a marketplace. And if someone's not smart enough, they could go, oh my God, I can't, this is, a, this is, I'm getting this, sure. this NFT for like, they're selling for 50,000. I'm getting it for 12. Oh my God. And then they buy it and they realize they've been scammed when it's too late. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Because it's decentralized, you know, decentralized finance, DeFi, it's decentralized yeah. finance, right? Um, Joe Biden's not going to step in and help you when your money gets stolen. So nope. you got to be really, you can lose your crypto really quick, really fast. If you don't, if you're not smart and you don't know what you're doing. So it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's for someone who has, you, you can't do it while you're tired. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You have to be really super careful. And if you send money on one blockchain to a blockchain that's not of the same cryptocurrency, like Ethereum to Bitcoin, you're transferring your Bitcoin to your exchange to your another wallet in your exchange that doesn't accept that coin and you make a mistake because it's the letters the number the code is this long and you have to cut and paste and you get the wrong one um it's gone forever yeah there's no yeah. It back yeah. so a lot of people have lost millions of dollars sending the wrong crypto to the wrong crypto wallet you have to send ethereum to ethereum and bitcoin to bitcoin it doesn't work any other way yeah so it's it's an interesting it's very interesting but i find it super exciting to have sure. a medium that has um limitless possibilities so it's limitless what you can do well learn up more learn more and then give some classes on it because like i do you got I it down pat yeah i onboard actually quite a few people i set them up in their wallets and i school oh, them on what the puppy. yeah so this is this is deep and, um, so I'm really, I'm really into getting anybody into the space because I'm so passionate about it. So I have lots of mommies at my daughter's school and I used to do a Friday cryptocurrency oh. class and get them on their MetaMask wallet and get them, um, trading. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so you yeah. really have, so I was just joking, but you really were our teaching. Oh no, I'm, I will, anybody that wants to know, I will lend every bit of knowledge that I have on it. I'm not a financial advisor, but I will give them every bit of knowledge. I mean, I invested in Ethereum when it was $300. It's now at $4,500. So I, I tell people, you know, invest when it goes down and leave it there because in 10 years, you could invest a thousand dollars in say Bitcoin, which has gone from pennies up to 60,000 at its height. Right? right. So you can invest in these hot coins and leave it there for the long-term hold. And you could possibly have a million dollars at the end of 10 years. If you don't touch it, you leave it there. And it's an investment, just like an IRA account. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and the if you have a certain wallet like MetaMask and you don't name it, you don't put a name of any kind on it, it's an anonymous wallet and you can leave it there and the government has no way of tracking it at this point. So at, the, yeah, yeah. It, at this point. So, so, I mean, that probably will change at some point when you cash it out, of course, they're like all over it, but. <laughs> um but so far so good so question then one one last question yeah anything we still buying bitcoin today or is it, is it overpriced now it's never overpriced it's going to continue to go up because there's only so many bitcoin that there's only there's only 20 uh well i don't know how many is left now but there's only a certain amount of bitcoin that can be mined and then it's all it's all taken up 
And Bitcoin gets lost. People put it in cold wallets and lose the code to the cold wallets. And now that Bitcoin's got lost. This person dies. He had it on his computer. Nobody can access his seed phrase. Now that Bitcoin's gone. So stuff is disappearing and there's only so much left. So it's going to continue to go up. It doesn't have as much utility as say Ethereum, which is used for artwork and all kinds of gaming and all kinds of stuff. But um, it's going to continue to go up because it was the first it's the most sought after. So really, no matter when you buy Bitcoin, you buy it and buying a, you don't buy a whole, you can't buy a whole coin, right? They're so expensive. So right. you buy a portion, it's called a Shitoshi. So you buy some Shitoshi and you leave it in your wallet and you let it, you let it ride. It doesn't matter when you buy it. You just put a thousand dollars in and you, you let it ride. So that's my suggestion. You don't take it out when it goes up, when it goes down, you don't worry about it. You don't think right. about it. You just put it aside. And in 10 years from now, I guarantee you it's going to be worth a whole lot of money. So I'm in. I, I've been in and out. Yeah. I've been in and out of it a little bit, but I don't I'm have good. any I don't have anything now, unfortunately. But that's it's why I oath. asked it. It's the oath that's the problem, is yeah. what you're I'm hearing. It's Ethereum that's really the one. Yeah. Ethereum's the one that's hot and growing. I mean, Bitcoin is going up, 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 but it's so expensive to get in. Ethereum just Fair dropped to like $3,800. $3, so it's at a low right now. It's a good time to get in. And, you know, it, it goes up and down. It goes up and down. I never panic. I just, you know, I just yeah. go with the flow. Yeah. Same, same with NFTs. You might have an NFT that's worth a certain amount at one time and then the it goes up right and then if you if you sell you made a profit but it can go down and then you can not have as much of a profit so the the point of nft the nft is glorified uh gambling in my opinion because yeah, you okay. try you try to buy them at the base price you try to get in on all these drops at the base price and hopes that that nft is going to go up in value i mean it's uh, trading nfts has become a whole institution um with hedge funds and all kinds of stuff so yeah. it's it's a bigger game than people realize. It's it's pretty intense. Well, I I hope we can have you back after this whole announcement. Your big project is out, and yes, we can hear more about it. Okay, well, put me on the calendar for end of February, and I guarantee you'll get an earful on what's happening. I would love it. I, I love could, it. I, I love could, it. I could do a whole show just listening to you talk NFT and Bitcoin. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Well, maybe I wish... you should dedicate a show to that because I can talk. I literally could, I can talk endlessly, as you can tell, but I could talk endlessly about <laughs> cryptocurrency. I'm so passionate about it and it's evolving so quickly and stuff is changing so fast. There's never, uh, there's never a lack of anything to talk about. Yeah. Right. So um, it's really, it's really people in a year from now, it's going to be a very different space because all these major brands, Nike, McDonald's, all these people, they're all starting to have NFTs. And what's coming, what's happening is all the major studios are building up their NFT portfolio, their NFT platforms to launch their NFTs, which is a 12 to 14 month. Uh, so it's basically 10 months from now, 10 months from now, you'll see all the Sony, um, Universal, all these, all these um, big studios are going to be launching NFTs with their movies, with their everything. They're building their platforms and everything right now. And they're taking a year to do sure. the build out. So this is inside information, but that's basically what's happening in the NFT world. And, you know, there's, I always think, oh my God, I got to hurry up and get my project out. But then you go on the street and you go, so do you know what an NFT is? And people are like, what's that? Yeah, yeah. It's so, so it's, yeah. It's still not there, but mass consumption is on the way. Yeah, you know, so every day you hear more about it. So it's, yeah. it's I mean, it's yeah, well, and it, look it, at anyway. Mark Zuckerberg, Meta, I yeah, mean. Right, right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <him. so> <laughs> 
Mark Zuckerberg. Please, Mark. Please, Mark. Please back up. Back up. <laughs> well, thank you so much oh for, for coming on and giving us all this time. We appreciate it. it you know, when you asked how long we, uh, I, I like to say an hour because I don't want to scare anybody away. But if somebody's willing to talk like you are for an hour and a half, we will, we will talk. Oh, we will listen all day. Oh, good. So, yeah. Well, when you're having fun, you don't know how long it is, right? right. You just move through it. So, exactly. uh, yeah, I hope, I hope you did. Out, he's been in and out. He's like, oh. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <I'm> busy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well thank you so much for yeah. all the time we truly appreciate yeah. it yeah no you guys are so much fun and good luck with your future podcast and definitely have me back because i want to tell you everything that's going on if, if you're well, willing, we, absolutely yeah. if you're willing to come yeah. back we will definitely have you back we'll talk 100 yeah. okay you need to start getting your wallets now and i will guide you into awesome. future right. well i appreciate best. that <laughs> so much fun thank you so yeah. much for coming on yes anything so right. we'll, yeah, before wanna... we end up yeah I mean, we've already mentioned your, your Instagram, your, 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 uh, website page. Yep. Go ahead. No, who cares about that? That's like, that's like, that's like ancient, that's like ancient technology, the website, whatever. (laughs) I don't even promote that anymore, but yes, my artwork is on there, but, um, really my Instagram is the thing that I focus on my Instagram and my Twitter and my Twitter is NFT at NFT bunny is now. It's Victoria Fuller, but if you do at NFT Bunny, it goes directly to my page on Twitter. So um, yeah, everything now is NFT Bunny. All my profiles have been uh, moved to NFT Bunny on all my other stuff besides Instagram, which I'm keeping as it is because it's been like that for so long. But yeah, so that's that's the main one. If you want to find me, get a hold of me and ask me anything, then that's that's definitely the place I check my Instagram daily. So, awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Well, check out our artwork. It's it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Thanks, absolutely. guys. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. much for joining us. Send send me an email me and send me an address, and I will send you a painting for your background. Well, oh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna need your, your address you. as well because we like to we like to send tank. I don't know if you've seen any of our tank tops, but we like we're to send you. tank top off. So. Oh, exciting! Very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So little little merch. We'll do the same <laughs> okay. thing. Send the merch. I'll wear it and post it. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. <laughs> Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. The tavern is closed for now, but we'd love to have you back for more fun next time. Seriously, though, get your asses out of here. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.